You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. Welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I have a very exciting one. Today, I have my sister and my brother-in-law, some of the greatest people I've ever met, but uh, Andrew and Jessica Baker, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having us. means a lot. All the way from High River, Alberta, Canada. I know you drove down here just uh, for this, so it means a lot. Yep. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) We got out of the igloo and we drove down here. Yep. Yep. I I appreciate it. With our dog sled and teams. Yep. (laughs) Yep, that's what all people think Canada is, and it doesn't even really snow very much. Well, actually, it snowed a little bit, but hasn't yeah. doesn't really snow that much as you'd think. Not, Not as much as are. Utah, but it gets yeah. pretty cold. It's yeah, like, oh, it gets cold for sure. Like yeah. Minus forty. That's why we we have a do not travel to Canada for about six yes, months out of the year. It's a tight window to to visit up there, but. Uh, you are owners of Andrew and Jessica No Frills, one of the largest franchise grocery stores in in all of Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you are. You know, owned it since 2019. It's in High River. Uh, you're the number one in all of Canada for customer satisfaction, which I'm very excited about because that's basically what my show is all about. <laughs> um, and employees, you've got the fastest cashiers in Canada, top 5% produce sales growth of 2022. You're a husband and wife team, which I think is very unique. And you're one of the top financial reporting stores in all of Canada, which I think is 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 huge. Um, I remember when you guys bought this store, it was kind of in in a little bit of shambles it wasn't in the greatest situation um with the old owner and we're not gonna we don't gotta get dive deep into all of that stuff but we can talk about things you guys have changed what i what i would like to get into is kind of your story of how you came about a grocery store um it's kind of random (laughs) in uh you know you, you don't in at least in the states you don't hear of a lot of grocery store owners because it's more like, I don't even know if you can have a franchise grocery store here. Like it's I've all Googled it. Yeah. There's a couple. Is there? Yeah. There's not a lot though. Not very common though. For yeah. Sure. No, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like when, but, but Andy, you've worked there with this company for how long? I've been there for 10 years total, all the way from a franchise store, working my way up to the corporate side of it and then back to owning my own store. That's awesome. Yeah. And I remember your, uh, the goal I think 10 years ago when you started was to own your own store, I think one day. Yeah, I wanted to get a feel for it at first. I'd worked for some other companies before as a store manager and, you know, ethically, I didn't really like uh, the way the businesses were run kind of higher up. And I wanted to make sure that the people that were on the team above me and the people I'd be working with, if I was an owner, the people that, you know, had those values that I believed into, right? So I kind of decided to put some numbers on the board first, uh, just starting out out as a, a produce manager at a franchise store and getting a feel for the the people higher up and kind of went from there and just, you know after a couple of years decided to pull the trigger and let's go that's awesome so you guys obviously met back in the united states mm-hmm. you know, we met in working in, in a, a grocery, grocery store, store. <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah you guys uh used to work at walmart over there in uh in ogden or south ogden yeah. and yeah. the neighborhood market and I remember Andy used to work at my mom and dad's Costa Vida and, and remember, remember mm-hmm. that back then. So I guess, you know, start with Andy because it's kind of been a lot of your journey even while uh, you guys were engaged um, to be married. You were working working up in Canada and doing all that mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. what, why, you know, what, I guess what made you want to embark on like an entrepreneurial journey where you wanted to open up your own grocery store or, or get in the grocery game? Because it's a very unique, is it with all the money you saw? In being made when you worked at the previous grocery stores? Um, was it just something you thought of one day? How'd you get into it? Yeah, I think it just kind of fell into place at the time. You know, uh, we worked for other companies before and Jess and I, even when we were dating, we would say, you know, if we owned our own business, this is what we would do. Or these are the things we don't like about the place we work at and what we would do differently. And we were just always kind of critiquing uh, things and uh, coming up with solutions to be able to fix the problems. You know, we'd be at a restaurant, we'd see dust somewhere. Oh, you know, they got some dust over here. We would, you know, make sure that didn't happen at our place kind of thing. So um, what was the question again? (laughs) Sorry, my mind kind of went off on a tangent there. So how did we get started in groceries, right? So 
you know, I did some retail stuff. I, I had managed a Foot Locker before. I worked uh, restaurants before. I worked for Wendy's in Ogden and learned a lot of systems there. And I was able to take those systems that I learned and a lot of um, what's applicable to me today that's really given me great success that I learned at Wendy's at fast food and applied it to Costa Vida when we worked there for uh, with, with your, your parents. Um, but then it just kind of fell in my lap. I was uh, up in Canada and I was um, uh, working at a, a foot locker and an opportunity for a grocery store came up for a produce manager. And I decided to kind of switch and go to that. And uh, later I got, I got laid off uh, working at that uh, grocery store for not hitting the uh, financial metrics that they wanted me to uh, in a unionized environment with the store. And uh, it just kind of, it's funny how doors open, right? When one door closes, another opened. Right. And uh, there was a franchise store opening up in uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I went to go work for that guy. And so it was just kind of one door opened and, you know, closing the other one open, like I said. Wow, that's cool. That was, and that was about what you started working for. Was that No Frills back 20, in 2012? 2012 mm-hmm. at a MERS No Frills in Canada. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Jess, how, you know, growing up, we grew up in a very extremely extreme entrepreneurial house. <laughs> we did. Um, was that always your dream growing up? I don't think I've ever asked this. Is that always your dream growing up? Like what I know, me and you are very alike. Um, very driven people. We will kick anybody's butt out there. <laughs> um, but you know, obviously you married Andy, but like, were you always thinking about becoming this husband and wife power duo in the grocery game? Yeah. I, I mean, I always knew that I was going to go into business for something. Um, I, I did always want to be doing something with my husband because mom and dad were such an amazing example of, you know, what a power couple could achieve in their lifetime. So I always wanted to kind of emulate them in whatever I ended up doing in life. So it, it, it was always in the back of my mind. And when Andy and I were dating, um, I just saw all the potential that he had. Um, we started out very, very bottom of the barrel, but right. I knew together we could, you know, achieve whatever we wanted to together. For sure. I mean, and, and you guys have sacrificed a lot. How many times have you guys moved um, due oh to this this journey? Because no frills, to become an owner, no frills, it's a really long vetting process. Yeah, you can't uh, just pay money and all of a sudden take it over, right? You're an right. owner operator, so they want to make sure that you know what you're doing and make sure that's something you want to do. And and obviously we want to make sure it's something we want to do, you know? Right. And depending where you got a store, you might have a high volume store, a low volume store. It might be a a market that doesn't have a, a high population or somewhere that does. Right. And so you kind of need to find what you like and what you want to, what you want, you know, to know where's the best spot for you. For sure. And and yeah. it's kind of, you know, open to them of saying, Hey, we got these couple choices. Yeah. It's up to you. I mean, all over the, the, the country. I mean, you guys have been from Alberta all, I mean, how many times have you guys yeah. moved? In- well, we moved a lot, but we were open to going wherever we had to go, wherever the opportunity was. So we ended up moving from Calgary to a very random small town in BC. We lived there for a couple of years. Um, then we moved all the way to Winnipeg, which is like in the middle, like the Midwest, I guess, of Canada. Um, we were there for a year and then we ended up back in Alberta. Right. Yeah. I remember when you moved to Winnipeg, I didn't ever come busy because it's too cold. It was <laughs> that yeah. place. Like I thought it was cold in Canada before we moved there. But when you get minus 55, that's, that's a that's different no game. Joke. That's when you just might as well just, <laughs> I mean, you moved. So, yeah, but it's cool to see because you know, a lot I mean, I, I mean, it was tough. I mean, not really tough watching you guys because we it was, we were down here and you guys were up there. But it was it was a long journey. I mean, you had to go through a lot with whether you had you know support from some people down here and not support from some mm-hmm. people down here yeah. um, from some of the family. And it's just cool to watch you just not care about any of that stuff and and do what you knew the goal and the objective and the dream was. You didn't like you know, mom and dad always used to say. Don't ever let any obstacle get in your way of your dream, or don't mm-hmm. let the obstacle become bigger than the dream. And I don't feel like you guys ever did that because we could have our opinion down here, and then you get up there, and you're like, guys, no, like this is going to be. And it was cool because uh, 
you know, when dad went up there for the, for your guys' <laughs> grand opening. Yeah. Um, I think he thought that what we were running was just like a rink, a dink, a little, yeah, a little mark shop. or something yeah. like that. <laughs> station. Yeah. The corner. Kind of right. Thing. And then he, you know, he's texting us like, Oh my gosh, did you see this? Yeah. And I love that you guys put him to work and kicked his he butt that so day. He was so funny. Yeah, well, he funny. asked, he asked if he could help and that wasn't a good question to ask. Right. Right. Yeah. No, he, he definitely uh, was like, I, I don't think I'm going to go out there and ask for if they need any help anymore. But somehow he snuck out and did cotton candy with mom though. He snuck out. Sneaky from- <laughs> guy. But I think it's really cool because you know, I talk a lot about the show uh, of just sticking to to the game plan, sticking to, mm-hmm. to, you know, how to make things work, how to make things operate. Yeah. And you guys completely, you did. I mean, you working from basically up from every single rank, li- living like in, in, I'm going to say tougher situations and little apartments and moving mm-hmm. like 10 plus times in 10 years. I'm, I think, I don't know, maybe a little mo- more, a little more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like every time I think I visited a couple times and so far this, you know, I visited high river a couple times and you guys stayed in the same spot. Well, you got a new house. So yes, we did. <laughs> You've, uh, you know, but kind of, you know, worked your way up, but you two are probably the most conservative people I've ever met for sure. Um, which is good. I mean, you're very, very disciplined in what you do, but I think it's been really cool. At least for me to watch you guys just do it. And then, and then to create one of the best stores in Canada, like it's one thing to, to buy a store or to own a business, but it's the, it's a, it's a whole other ball game when you're like the number one store and you get taken on, you know, on these trips around the world, which I think is really cool. And you get to walk in front of everybody with a little swag and get your award <laughs> and, and do that. So when you guys first bought the store, I want to get into, you know, really the the meat of how you guys have been able to create one of the best customer satisfaction stores coming from almost the, from at least my understanding, almost the worst customer satisfaction store. It wasn't like you guys were given a, you know, a, a extremely high performing store and took it a little bit higher performing. It was a fairly low performing store and you guys have completely turned it around and, and made it a, a really staple in the community, a staple with your employees and a staple in, in the country of Canada as far as it is for groceries. So, I mean, kind of walk me through, I guess, wherever you want to go with that process of what it like was buying the store and the process you implemented to, to smooth it all out. Yeah, it was definitely a a lot of hours and a lot of hard work and kind of what, you know, my tattoo on my chest says is whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes to win. R.I.P. Rich Piana. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so uh, whether that meant even early on, like you said, moving all around and learning everything I need to learn. So I knew how to operate a no frills and taking whatever opportunities uh, were there for me and learn from the people that I needed to. And that's why we moved around a lot and then uh, finally get in the store there. And I think, you know, lots of stuff maybe you can do consciously and some stuff subconsciously too, where just like we had done when we were younger, younger, ripping apart in a positive way, all the opportunities that, um, you know, needed to happen at the store. And I think, you know, that was kind of the first thing is defining kind of what we wanted our, our store to like, like look like and the vibe and the feel and how we wanted everything to run even before we got there i mean you guys are basically sculpting this dream store before you ever even had a store i mean because you had 10 years i mean kind of 10 years to really work on it really like and since like from the time we started on like okay we want to own a store it was really like from that point it was about four years until we actually did own a store right so for all of that time, I mean, we would always talk about like, oh, this is what we're going to do in our store. You know, what can we do to make it better? How can we help our customers the most? You know, like that type of stuff. So right. we had we had a pretty good game plan going in before we even stepped foot right. in our store. Which so. I think is, is awesome because a lot of people don't have that opportunity. You know, they don't they don't get to work pretty. They, they usually quite often they don't get to work in the business they're about to own. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I didn't necessarily work at an RV dealership before this whole process. And I wish that I had, like, I had no idea what (laughs) I was doing. Um, but it's a really cool process to be able to say, okay, I'm going to own one one day and this is what I'm going to do. And then to be able to go into, to the stores that you were, cause I know you were training. I know you were, you know, doing some things for corporate and go into a variety of different stores. 
um, racking up those sky miles and seeing like, hey, okay, this store is doing that, that store is doing this, taking the best of all the worlds and and legitimately implementing it because most people in your guys' position could have an ego and could say, well, I know, you know, I'm not going to listen to these people. I know what I want and I'm going to do my own thing or it doesn't even matter to them, which is crazy. Like I'm, I'm sure you run into people who don't even care about culture. They don't care about yeah, they're 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 mm-hmm. they're not. Maybe they strive to have good customer satisfaction, but it's yeah. not that important to them. Like, I you, think a lot of the things um, kind of developed on their own, right? I think the main thing was we just wanted to make sure we had like a family kind of atmosphere and took care of our staff, right? Mm-hmm. And let them know that they were valued and we cared about them. And then it just kind of multiplied out. They had been a little demoralized before we came into, you could see like, even just when you were walking through the store, like a lot of people had their heads down, like they didn't want to talk to us, you know, like that type of stuff. So we really had to earn their trust that, you know, we did want them to excel. We wanted like their ideas and feedback and all of that stuff. And you know, what we said was actually true and it would happen, you know, and we had to start out hardcore, just like appreciating, appreciating everybody, even just, you know, something insignificant, like a $5 gift card to the local coffee shop. You know, if somebody, if we saw somebody doing something awesome, we'd be like, Oh, Hey, go get a coffee on us. And I mean, just a $5 gift card. And they were like, Holy cow. You know, like you're giving me, five dollars you right. know so like on the show we talk a lot about like positive things that that people do what are some de- i mean you don't have to get into details and if it's going to offend the guy you know i don't want to offend the guy but it, it, what are some things that you can say that are examples of some things the previous owner did wrong that you've heard that he did is there anything that you can come to mind about that not giving positive feedback mm-hmm. um, just a positive environment <clears throat> to begin with, one of the first things I did was I bought a ton of these like motivational posters and I put them all over the break room, all over their, the manager's office. It was a little out of, you know what, you know, what's funny. Mom did that to our break room at the dealership. Where do you think I got it? I'm like, bro, chill. Like there's a, (laughs) like challenge, there's a thing that's like challenge period. And it's like a picture of a golf hole with like sand all around it and crazy. And it was like, mom, Relax. Yes. But it does subconsciously help. I mean, they're reading that every day, right? even if they're not thinking about it, but eventually it'll get in there. And then if you as the leader are instilling those values in them as well, then they're just engulfed in positivity and then it produces. So. For sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, given, uh, what's the word I want to say, assuming that your customer's you know, aren't bad people either, you know, yeah. right. giving them the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, you know, on a lot of things too, you know, if they want to return something, I don't need a cashier being confrontational and saying, I don't think you bought that from here. Or he doesn't have his receipt or yeah. it, it was too long ago or we no. don't believe him or, you know, why do we need to be like that? It's a $2 pineapple, you know, just give it to him, give him another one, you know, yeah. right. uh, just assuming positive intent when it came to the employees and the customers. And, you know, when you take care of your, your employees, they end up taking care of your customers for you. I like to, I wanted them to know, Hey, they're like the customers are like a guest in our home here, you know? And so let's just take care of them and, and do whatever it takes to make them come back and feel good. And there's so many things that the staff did really to help win over those customers for us in the community, right? Like those cashiers I'll pick on in particular, you know, new people by names. How many times you go into a grocery store and uh, the cashier knows your name as a customer because you shop there, you know, three, four, five times a week at least. Right. Right hi sally how you doing you know what's going on how's your family how's the kids and it can be a quick conversation through the register you know it doesn't have to be like how's the weather today it can be something a little bit more than that or just uh you know our cashiers are great too because in their downtime when they don't have a customer they're, they're facing the products on the aisles and pulling stuff forward they get familiar with where stuff is a lot of times i've got them cross-trained and different uh, departments in the store too to pick up extra hours or maybe they learned a different department first like a grocery department before they go work on the register so then when the customers come up and say i couldn't find something or you guys used to have this what happened they're kind of my last line of defense and those cashiers can say oh i know where that is that's moved it got down it's over here now or uh, right yeah we haven't been able to get that for a month but i was told we're getting some back in next week so they're able to give that information to uh you know, to the customer, right? For sure. Jess, a little bit ago, you mentioned that you, when you bought the store, you had to gain their trust. 
um, that's huge because a lot of, uh, you know, if you're a new manager, um, even a new just employee, you know, you're, mm -hmm. I would hope to believe that you're trying to gain the trust with either your boss or, you know, if you are the boss, you're trying to gain the trust of your, your new team, whoever you're, you know, what are some things that you did to gain that trust? Um, I think there's lots of things, but I think it really boils down to appreciation. You know, if you're appreciating everything they're doing, not even just the big things, but the small things, you know, like we had so much on our plates when we first took over everything. I mean, we're dealing with lawyers and accountants and I don't even know because it was such a blur, Plumbers and yeah, like everything. And really, yeah. So, you know, um, anytime that they brought a concern to us, like, you know, we made sure we were listening to them and we would act on it. Right, right away, you know, not just put them off and like, oh yeah, we'll get to it or whatever. You know, we, we made them a priority and we, um, valued what they were bringing us, you know, For like sure. they had ideas on, you know, different types of things. Like, um, you know, even if a customer they knew was struggling, you know, we gave uh, was it Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner or something to a customer. I don't know, but that was from our employees and they were like, look, these people are struggling. And we had kind of been talking about wanting to bless someone with Christmas dinner, but, um, that was our employees. They, they were bold enough and trusted enough to come to us and, you know, give us, I had employees so. uh, using their own money to pay for people's groceries when they didn't have enough. Really? You know? yeah. So, uh, we took care of our staff and they took care of our customers for us. Yeah. That's awesome. If you're yeah. the best advice, what, what would be the best advice you could give for someone to tell them how to appreciate their I mean, more than just asking them, how you doing? Yeah. Um, but really showing them and like engaging with them appreciation. Well, I mean, we, so our business is mainly run by like minimum wage right. <laughs> employees. So, um, you know, when you're not, making a lot of money just to give someone, you know, a raise, like be generous with it. Right. And if they're, you know, doing extra stuff for you or whatever, like pay them accordingly, pay them what they're, what you think they're worth. And, um, yeah, I don't know. What else do you think? What was the question exactly? How to, how <laughs> how to show the appreciation. And, and I know that you do a lot because I've been in the store with you, yeah. with you uh, quite a few I times. I think we're just a, you're hands on, you know, we're in there, we're an operator too. Right. So when you're in the war with them, you're going to build that trust with them already. there, getting to know them, you know, letting them know you're not this kind of corporate person where yeah. we can't laugh with them and have fun. I mean, I take little things that I learned from every business I've been in that I thought were cool or neat or that I liked, you know, so I'll be, you know, going through the store sometimes and high five and staff as we're going down the aisles and they mm -hmm. think that's funny. Or we make a joke about, you know, a product that came in, uh, you know, what it's called. It sounds kind of funny or, you know, I make fun of the guys. Here's your feminine hygiene products, guys. They came in today and we're like, ha, ha, you know, so you got to laugh at them and let them know that you can let your hair down if I had hair. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, have a good time with them. So I think that's. And how we, that. we also try to do like, you know, appreciation type of events a couple times a year too. Like we, I don't. I don't know. We did like a little ice cream party, but we all just kind of gathered around and chatted and we had ice cream, but we right. make sure that we go, you know, as big as we can for our Christmas party. We make sure they get a good meal and we have awesome raffle prizes that they can do like that type of stuff. There's a lot of owners um, at no frills that don't do Christmas parties. So right. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, it, it sounds dumb, but it, they appreciate it. We have almost all of our staff that are going to our Christmas party. That's rare. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Usually it's a very small percentage and they just don't really care. And, you know, I, I hear that a lot, you know, in, in my world, oh, why would you do a Christmas party? Why would you do this? Why would you do that? I'm like, I don't know. Why, yeah. why wouldn't you? Well, it's an expense. Well, yeah, but like you're mm -hmm. investing into the team, yeah. the, you know, the, and I'd like to hit on that too. Jess kind of touched on it. I got a lot of flack when I took over. So we're a franchise. Uh, so we do share the profits with a corporate, Entity, entity, yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, they question me, why are you paying people more money? Well, because I don't look at them like a, a, a liability, a liability yeah. on my PL statement, right? I look at them like an asset. So I wouldn't I reinvest in them. And I know if I give that guy a dollar or $2 more or that gal, 
you know, they're going to generate much more productivity back to me the other way. Right. And right. Not mm-hmm. just productivity wise, but maybe customer relations wise or whatever their strength may be. So it's worth it for me to do that. Maybe I don't need as many people on the floor to be stocking the shelves because I'm, I can get it out of that person now. Right. Right. And so to your point. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's really hard for it, it's re- for some people, it's really hard for them to get a lot out of people. You know, like mm-hmm. I hear complaints all the time, like, oh, low production, low this, low that. Well, how are you dealing with them? What are you paying? I mean, a lot of it yeah. comes down to to pay. And, you know, obviously there's budgets and you can't pay them a mm-hmm. limited amount of money, but but giving them a good, a good, decent wage. And they is, have to care about you. They have to want to go work mm-hmm. for you, right? That's the biggest thing that you kind of been chatting about here, but they have right. to want to do it. For sure. And you got to hire the right people to begin with, right? You yeah. know, when you're interviewing people, you got to put people in the right position. Why would I put somebody that's really uh, quiet and meek and put them on a register, right? I want somebody who's a little more sociable and, uh, you know, engaging, you know, and put find people the right spots for them, you know, so that they'll do a good job and right. get that return. And for don't you. be afraid to like move people around, you know, I mean, right. just because they're, you know, not great at being a cashier, like they could be awesome at stocking the meat shelf, you know, like right. you've got to move them around and to see what sometimes people them. don't know when you, when it's their first job, right. They don't know, or, or you hire them thinking they'll be good at something. And it turns out maybe that's not their, their best strength. You know, maybe something else is that you've can kind of see inside of them, you know? Right. And uh, maybe there's an opportunity where, you know, Hey, in six months from now, this person can develop and take on a leadership position. So I'm going to put them in this role over here, you know, learning, uh, dairy and freezer so that they, they can be in charge of a couple of the staff and work their way up. And maybe one day when I need a meat manager, they can develop into that person. Right. So that's sure. another thing is them seeing development among their peers and them moving up to, to other uh, roles within the store to know there's growth and opportunity there for them, for those that are interested, right? Not for everybody sure. is, but, uh, and, and taking care of them too. You know, some people, you know, they start out in their part-time and stuff happens and one day you know they need more hours because they've got they're pregnant now right or they've lost an income uh, for one reason or another and they need more hours so being able to cross train them on different things within the store the business and move them around gives them that opportunity to get more hours and they they know then that you care about them because you're trying to help them out when they're in a tough spot you know right i got one we have one particular manager right now uh you know, that uh, ran into a lot of debt and a lot of struggles. And it came to us, you know, over the last couple of years, what should I do here and there? And he decided to not really listen and go his own path and just set him further into debt. Got to a point, you know, where uh, he didn't know what to do. And so, you know, now we're able to uh, kind of help so him I out. I sat now him down and, and helped him budget. Yeah. <laughs> we help him with budgeting and nice. getting, getting some other hours in the store doing other things too. So he can pick yeah. up extra. But money. I mean, it's stuff like that. I mean, that's going to change that guy's life you right. know i mean when it shows that you care yeah i mean we took you know maybe a half an hour to go through everything and figure out a game plan and i mean who who that you've ever worked for would sit down with you no, and nobody do something that personal with you you right. know what i mean <laughs> right well and and you know it, like i said it shows that you care and most people don't really get that like you said from from their boss their you know, their boss, let alone the owner. I mean, yeah, you guys are an owner operator, but at the end of the day, you're the owner. Um, mm-hmm. Most owners would be like, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Yeah. Um, but, but showing that you care and showing that you have their back no matter what, and that they're actually like a true family mm-hmm. means more than anything to them because they don't feel like a number. The, the worst thing mm-hmm. in a business is if you just, oh, I'm just a number and nobody cares. Well, why, why would I perform that much more over and above what I'm supposed to perform for somebody that I don't know that doesn't care. Like, you know, I had coaches back in the day that I know that didn't care about me. So I wasn't really motivated to, mm-hmm. to bust my ass and try to do things for them. <laughs> I was trying to pat my own stats and do my own thing. But if you have a coach that cares, you're probably more likely to pass the ball an extra time for the open shot or do something or, mm-hmm. or the team. Cause you care more about the team and the coach than you do yourself, which which can go hand in hand in business as well. And I think mm-hmm. you got to, you know, uh, set the, ex- set the expectations, right. And give people goals to go after, right. When it comes down to, you spoke in the beginning about, we have the fastest cashiers in all of Canada, which is kind of crazy. Right. But, and, and I'll give, you know, the credit to the front end manager at our store there, right. For doing that. But you know, the expectation to be set is, Hey, this is kind of the minimum standard uh, for measuring your times of how fast you scan items and get people through. And uh, you know, 
here's the minimum and then here's the target that you need to get to. And here's the average of what everybody else is doing, you know, and when everybody's pulling their weight, everybody on the team's happy. It's when, and not just on the, the cashiers, it could be anything, right? When somebody's not given a hundred percent of what their best is and other people have to pick up the slack that pulls your culture down in the store right, right? or in that mm-hmm. department, because now other people are having to work that much harder. And if there's no good reason why that's happening, you know, then, uh, you get that that negative kind of vibe going on, right? But also just when staff know that they've got a target to go after, these are expectations, you know, this is how I'm impacting the store and impacting uh, Jessica and Andrew personally too. Uh, they take some satisfaction in that. And I'm not going to say every single person, you know, feels that way, but due to the, the, the surveys that we do and the feedback anonymous surveys, right, I would say 97% of our staff feel that way. That's awesome. That, that's huge. How have you been able to... I guess, get people or get your staff to buy into your vision. Because I'm sure when you took over, there was a little bit of people don't like change. People are skeptical. New owners coming in. You're not even from the town. And High River's a good old boy, tight-knit town, it seems like. And it's a very country. It's a small town. Small town. Sure. Um, but it's a cool, 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 cool place. Um yeah, population's about 10,000 people. It's more of an older community. That's our demographic. You know, uh, uh, 60% of the town is 50 and older. And um, it was interesting because, you know, I was very conscious of that before we went in there. I didn't want to go in and feel like I was firing a machine gun at everybody and, you know, everybody, um, you know, being scared of what's going to go on. Am I going to get fired? You know, do they not like me kind of thing? But everybody kind of wanted a leader and a somebody to step up and what do you want us to do here? And what is you want us to do that? And I think just, you know, us being personal with the staff, everybody just kind of wanted to come around. So that's kind of how they bought into the vision. I think they just bought into us first. And right. Then, well, and we empowered them to be able to take 100%. ownership of their position and really help the customer with whatever they were doing. Little things huge. like, you know, yeah. a customer coming in and this watermelon's bad. And then you got to, go through a line and or through a customer service thing. If you have that in your store, we, we don't, it's just the, the cashiers there, you know, it's a basic bare bones kind of thing. We don't have a little customer service desk, but you know, then you got to wait through a line there, wait for a manager to come and can take a long time. Time, even, even a few minutes seems like a long time to a customer trying right. to return something. Right. So we just empowered the staff just in that scenario. Hey, you take it on yourself. Hey, tell them you talk to me. My name is Cruz in the produce department. And, uh, you know, tell them that I owe you up a, a watermelon or a pineapple. And that's why you got this here and it's free today. And then I, we had already trained the cashiers. Don't even question anything. Take their word for it. If you don't think it's true, take it up with me later and we'll discuss it. And, you know, we'll see if there's a problem, but there was never a problem. You know, it was always, yep. I told them they could have that. No problem. Right. right. So, well, uh, they, not, they not getting good. hung up, up on those little things. Like you said, you know, early mm-hmm. in this podcast is huge because like when we took over, uh, most of the stores that we take over when we go in, there's a lot of the previous owners are stepping over dollars to pick up a few pennies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you caught up in the weeds doing stuff that really doesn't matter? No. And why are you getting mad at people for things that really don't matter? Like at the end of the day, you can say like, yes, every penny matters, but why are we like so focused on the micro instead of so focused on, you know, the macro of things where we're, we're over here of, you know, can we save a dollar to do this? And it's like, Hey, we need to, we should be in mm-hmm. the weeds. You know, you're in the weeds. We should be over here doing that. And it's crazy. And it comes down to like what I think a lot of different personalities, but it's belief systems. Like you, you guys, I'm guessing, you know, just from knowing you really well in this conversation is you, you believe more in empowerment and, and taking your team and like the, the, the store rises and falls on the team and the team mm-hmm. performs the teams, obviously. I mean, if you didn't have a team, you just have a big building with a lot of stuff in it and basically yeah. your own personal <laughs> pantry. Yeah, the big, uh, the big vision is driving sales, right? And everything else is leveraged off of that, right? Right. So that's your big picture. I understand, you know, when you have no sales, maybe that's why you're nickel and diamond and watch it and every little thing that goes there. Right. But right. if you can drive those sales and I'll speak to a personal thing, when we used to work at the Costa Vida with your dad, it was really sad. We had some really good staff that I had pulled from Wendy's when I had worked there, all the, all the fastest people that I could find there that I worked with that were machines brought them over there and they were working our drive-through line, uh, not drive-through takeout line. Sorry. Right. And Jess was in charge of kind of marketing that business and driving the sales there. And for a while there, the sales, you know, slumped off. 
Right. And me coming from my management background at that point in time when I was, I was probably 26, 27 years old. I thought, Oh, we got to control this line, this number line here, right? we got to get rid of the staff. Sadly, you know, uh, it's not hitting the right percentages, you know, and your dad came in and said, or you could just drive the sales over there. <laughs> right. Oh, I never thought of that before. Right. Right. And so that kind of thinking as well as different people that I've met through the different uh, jobs and careers I've had helped us uh, with the grocery store there. Right. So your, your bigger picture thinking like you're saying, right, drive your sales and the, the other stuff can take care of itself. Right. Then you have more money to be able to pay for staff incentives and be able to like the, the gift cards, the $5 gift cards, you know, you're not micromanaging every little nickel and dime. Then if you focus on driving your sales, Right. How can you do that? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always tell people, like, I, I got accountants and got office managers and office staff and CFOs that handle that side of the things. You know, I'm here to drive the business and drive the sales and worry about that. I know I'm, I'm not worried about, oh my gosh, I gave you a hundred dollar budget for lunch. You spent $115 and I'm taking 15 bucks out of your paycheck. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous guys. Like at the end of the day, just keep rolling on. And, and I, I owe it to you guys to, to create a business that doesn't care about $15. Like yes. I, that's my job. That's not your job. Like, you know, if, if you're going $200 over every you know week, we're like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, why are you, you buying your family meals? Like what's going on? Do we have staff that I didn't know about? Like what's going on? <laughs> and you have that conversation, but it's more of a collaborative team conversation of how can we do better? I mean, we, we got to do better. We're, we're blowing our budget on this, you know, what, what's going on and having that conversation instead of just screaming at them, yelling at them where they're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you want to get on the, you know, to their level, if you per se, you know, per se, and then just talk to them like a normal person and mm-hmm. figure out what's going on. Yeah. And you know yeah. what, in this day and age too, at least where we are, right. Uh, maybe it's different uh, where you are in your business, but uh, staff have different things going on in life, right? There's lots of people out there, you know, with depression or, or screwed up family lives or different learning disabilities. Right. And so sometimes as I've learned, it's good to talk to that person and just ask them, is there something I don't know about that I need to know why you're not performing here? This That's is huge. what I see. And I'll tell you almost every single time, somebody's got a legitimate thing going on where, wow, I didn't know that, you know, you had a this medical condition you right know, and that's why you're the way you are I'll, I'll definitely be more sensitive to that thanks for letting me know yeah right. which is so important because if you have a really high performing person all of a sudden something ha- like something drops off like it's a defining like hey like last week was great this week what the heck is going on mm-hmm. if you're any decent human being i feel like you'd talk to him and be like hey yeah. what what doesn't going always on? happen like that no. though yeah. whenever which business, is crazy right? it's hey cut yeah. their hours and let them quit and go find another job right right or just fire them and pay them out, right? You know, get, yeah. get rid of them, get rid of the dead weight, you know? And, right. and we don't really look at it that way. I want to make sure before I get rid of somebody, I've done everything I possibly can to train them and develop them, give them all the tools. I've had a conversation to make sure there's nothing going on. I've moved them around everywhere I can. That's made sense, you know, for where their skill set is. And then if it still doesn't work, okay, that's a different story. And then even when that does happen, I do sit them down and I explain to them why. So they don't wonder, well, why did this guy let me go? That was kind of a jerky thing for that owner to do. Right. Nope. I get it. I see what they're talking about. Yeah. I haven't been performing and he's done everything he can for me. Right. So, mm-hmm. right. No. And I think that's huge to be just upfront and honest with them. Yeah. yeah. And it comes back to kind of the personal touch too, is, you know, you've got to communicate with your staff and know what is going on in their lives. You, you've got to break that barrier between like boss and employee, you know, and you've got to be like teammates. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't be like everybody's best friend, but there has to be like a level of respect there. That's yeah. like, Hey, we're going to talk to each other. Like, like people, if there's anything like in our business, it, it, the worst thing that people can do to me is lie to me. You know, I just want the open, honest communication. If you like something, great. If you don't like it, tell me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what I don't know. So when I call you, like, I hate it because there's, there is that barrier between like me being the CEO and then. And they're afraid yeah. of you, right? Yeah. Which naturally drives me nuts because I'm like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I go to a dealership and we're like, hey, how's everything? Great, 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 great. Okay, cool. Hey, we'll report back. Hey, everything's great. You know, we're, we're good. And then, you know, Matt will go there, our CEO, and he'll be like, hey, man, like, they got this this issue, or there's that issue, yeah. or hey, we they really need a new truck. And I'm like, I asked him how the truck was, or I asked him how this was. <laughs> but sometimes it goes, like, way extreme. They're like, hey, we needed this, and mm-hmm. we need that. And I'm like, okay, you guys need to chill. But yeah. it's uh, it's hard. So, like, we do we can anonymous surveys and different things, and I get great feedback. We're honest feedback, and share it with the whole team. Every meeting I have, I do a survey. How was the meeting? Was it productive? Was it this? Was it that? Like, mm-hmm. I want to know what what they're thinking and and it takes a real 
you know, person to not get offended by that. I'm asking for to get ripped apart. And sometimes like I get ripped apart. Hey, you, you don't care. You don't do this. You don't do that. Like, it seems like you this or that. I'm like, wow. And so I try to nail down maybe who, who that is and talk to him and say, Hey, sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, you got an issue. And usually it's a misunderstanding that they mm-hmm. think I'm doing something one 100%. way and they're doing something the other. And we're not really aligned. You'll, you'll, we always talk about getting yeah. an alignment. And that comes back to like, knowing the personalities. I mean, I know, you know, the disc system and you've done more in depth stuff with that, but, um, we even took, um, like all of our managers and kind of our supervisors or kind of, um, the employees that work a lot of hours. And we, I took them through a disc training myself. So the, you know, like I had them, um, kind of fill out the little quiz or whatever. And I put, all of our personalities together on the little chart or whatever. So it was very interesting. We had interesting personalities for leadership, but you know, Andy and I are high D. So that's a whole set of issues that right there, Right, which which a D if you don't know, it's a dominant director pretty much like, yeah, you're a, yeah. And our managers we're mostly like S and C, which is more like, um, and S is more supportive. They're, they're soft. C is very calculated, yes. cautious, yes, cautious thinkers is so what they call those them personalities lot. clash when, <laughs> right. When things are going wrong. So it was important for them to know how we operate. And like, you know, if Andrew or sorry, Andy, he's changed his name. It's, Andrew, Andy, I don't know. I know him as Andy. So sorry. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, I know. So when I didn't Andy, know you were Andy, like Robert Bob, but I went to your store. I'm like, Hey, Andy, Andy, Andy. They're like, who's Andy? I'm yeah. Like, um, it's he it's more us. refined and sophisticated yeah. now with yeah. Andrew. Yeah. But so if Andy is like giving you like a directive, <laughs> you know, it's not because he hates you. It's because he wants that thing done, you know? Right. So it was important for us all to kind of know what each other's personalities were and, you know, we can gel the team a lot better. And then for those managers and those like key people to be able to, you know, spot whatever personality, you know, this new employee is or whatever, then you can figure out how your team kind of functions. Right. So, and when I hire people too, I also, as part of the orientation that I normally do with almost all the staff is I kind of go over how it is to work with me just so they know. Cause I know sometimes I get into my little busy B mode where I, you know, my, my eyes are forward and heads down and I'm working and maybe it's only one word answers. If you ask me something, yes, no. Yep. Okay. You know? And so in my past, I know that some people then think, Oh, maybe that guy's mad at me or doesn't like me or I did something wrong. Cause he was short with me today or he didn't say hi. Sometimes I'm in my little zone, just walking, you know, a mile a minute to the back room thinking about how am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? And I didn't see somebody out of the corner of my eye. I didn't say hi to him in the morning. Right. So I'm right. really conscious of that. And I'm aware through going through that, that disc training years ago, uh, with whatever business we were in with your parents at the time, um, you know, what some of the, the positive and the negative aspects of that, um, personality is right. So right. I know to let these, let the staff know, Hey, you know, if I don't say hi to you, this is why, you know, it's just, you know, don't think anything of it, you know, I'll be straight up front with you. Here's where I'm weak at, you know? And surround yourself with people better than yourself. Same thing we did at the restaurants, right? So when we worked there at Costa Vida, uh, maybe I'm into the production side and I need to be a little nicer with the customer. So surround myself with people that are good with the customers, right? But also acknowledge myself that I need to get better at something, right? Too, for sure. Right. And so uh, it's the same thing at the store there. That's awesome. Yeah, we we do very, very similar things. I have a... I have it plotted on the disc uh, diagram of our team's personality. Mm-hmm. And I have it broken down to in a favorable situation, how we act and an unfavorable situation, mm-hmm. how we react. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super and important. we, uh, <laughs> we laugh about it all the time. Cause I'm like, guys, we're, we're, we're doing what we're not supposed to be. <laughs> and then we're like this person. Oh, kill them. Do this. Freaking do yeah. like, burn it down. <laughs> and then we have a couple of people who are like, guys, let's not do that. It's not overreact. I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we, uh, it's funny. We have a good yin yang sometime with our team and they're like, Jason chill. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going <laughs> to, we're burning the place down. Yeah, <laughs> But, uh, but if it, you didn't know about the personalities, yeah. then you really would burn the place down. Well, it drives me not even more nuts cause they call it out and I'm like, shut up. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking to me about that. I know that more, more than you. 
well, you're doing it to yourself. But yeah. uh, no, it, it's a good a good time, and we kind of use it lightly, but also at the serious at the same time. And we we break situations down and diagram of a favorable, unfavorable, how we're going to react, what's going to happen. And we have so we have a very diverse person. We have a we have a very diverse personality management team. Um, it it I think everybody's fit in the role really really well. But you're right. Like if you don't know why people do what they do, like we were talking earlier today at lunch that I've really dove deep, maybe a little too deep into why people do what they do. And, you know, if I didn't have a company to run, I think I'd go back and get a PhD in psychology mm-hmm. and different things. I think it's so interesting and fascinating of why people do what they do. And they're so different. I mean, we, we grew up, you and I um, grew up in same house. We went to the same dinners, we went to the same places, same conferences, same things. And all four of us are so different. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just fascinating. Like I can't, like I'm it just is. so fascinated because <laughs> we're the same. I love yeah. that psychology stuff. Yeah. And, and same, you know, why people are what they, they are or, you know, customers or thing of like, Hey, like they're, mm-hmm. they're freaking out and losing their mind about something. Yeah. But in my eyes, like I always break it down more of, okay, there's gotta be an underlining situation. Like, are they really yeah. mad that they're, that their, you know, trailers leaking or this or that, like what's going on? You break it down mm-hmm. to maybe it was broken down communication or they yeah. maybe are really upset because it, you know, got on their wife something or maybe it dripped on their head or maybe like, let's figure out like more of a root cause of this kind of what most would see a really minor issue mm-hmm. that's all of a sudden exploded. Yeah, and sometimes, at least for us, it's uh, in the moment you've got to deal with a situation, right? You know, right. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you, got, you only got a couple minutes to win that customer over before they leave your store and don't buy bread from you anymore. Right. You know, and I remember your dad one time, again, when we were working at the restaurant, you know, we were talking about some crazy situation with a customer, you know, that was flying off the handle. And uh, he said, well, do you feel better about that? You got to tell that customer off and tell them what you thought about them and why they were wrong because they were wrong. Oh yeah, I feel much better now. Okay, well, at the end of the day, you lost because you didn't get their money, right? So I remembered that for years to come. Now we own our own grocery store, right? And is it worth it for me to have this argument with a customer and tell them that they're wrong? And then guess what? I lose, I don't get their money. And so you can selfishly think of it that way. But, you know, at the same time, uh, I don't want to be that guy that's a jerk out there. You know what I mean? That uh, you know, and I guess there's a time and place for everything too, because, you know, I'm also going to stick up for my staff. If somebody's, uh, you know, violently being aggressive or something right. towards somebody, right. I'm going to have their back. And so the staff appreciate that too, that I've done that for them. You know, there's, uh, sadly, you know, some of our cashiers, uh, that are under, you know, minors under the age of 18 in Canada was the age to drink. Right. So I'll consider them a minor up there. You know, uh, a gentleman hit on them when their wives aren't around, you know, and they're, uh, they're with their kids, their little kids, and they don't know what's going on. And, you know, uh, when I hear about it, it's been going on for a year and I'm in an uncomfortable situation with this customer that keeps coming into my store. You know, I'm conscious. I don't want to lose their money in the back of my head, but I'm also going to stick up for my cashier here. Right. So right. you need to be willing to, to do that too. I think there's yeah. a balance there. No, for sure. And you know, I, I get into some crazy stories about, uh, that we won't talk on, talk about on this because it's a little bit of intense with some customers and, and had to, you know, tell them, but you know, you usually, you know, with us, you know, we just like people start screaming at me, but look, dude, I don't know why you're talking to me like this. It's not making me want to go the extra mile and bend, bend my back to help you. So if you can talk to me like a human being and talk to me like a person, we can have a conversation. But if you're just screaming at me, I'm, I'm going to move mm-hmm. on to the other next situation. Yeah. And usually if you just set the expectation, demand the respect, mm-hmm. Um, that's usually, they can't really argue with that. And if they do, then there's a really cool button that's red on a phone and you just hit it and then don't have to worry about it again. And you know, they can do this and do that, but you know, I'll text them back and be like, it's almost like, you know, talking to a kid, the moment that you stop yelling at me is the moment I'm picking up my phone. So, (laughs) and I've had people like literally call me and apologize. Their their wives will call me, hey, my husband, I'm so sorry that he called me. (laughs) Or the opposite. Hey, my wife shouldn't have said that to you or this. I'm like, hey man, it's okay. Like we're all all frustrated at the end of the day. Like I need to create a win-win situation where we win, you win. And I want a happy customer and I want you camping. Like I, at the end of the day, it doesn't do, do me any good to have your trailer in service or have your trailer out of, out of being able to camp or doing this or keep those memories from your family. That's mm-hmm. not my goal. So if you think like, if you think I'm in the business of doing that, you're wrong. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't even know where that would come from. So I think if you set those expectations with customers, because yeah. with any business, things go wrong with, with especially mm-hmm. working with a lot of uh, food, food goes bad. You know, you have bad this, bad that, and 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 you can't really like 
audit every single thing that goes out. And like, if you get yeah. a big pallet of apples, you can't go look at every single apple and look at them. And some people might grab an apple and put it in their bag and go home and they, they get home and they go to open it or bite it. And there's a big black brute, you know, something mm-hmm. on the like, dang, yeah. now, most people probably wouldn't take it back, <laughs> but I'm sure that there's a lot of people You'd that's like, Hey, I, yeah. you know, I bought an apple and then over, you're like over here, you, arguing with them over a freaking 10 yeah. cent apple. And you're like, well, it's kind of funny too. Cause I run like our social media stuff, but people will message me on Facebook and they'll be like, Hey, I bought this, you know, I threw away the receipt, like blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, Oh yeah, just bring it in. We'll switch it out for you. Yeah, no like, problem. Oh, this doesn't look like an yeah. apple. And they're like, like, are you sure? <laughs> 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 no, but they, they, they're almost scared to do it because not very many businesses, um, will, help them you know right. so it's i don't know it's been interesting just like no no it's okay like literally just bring it back and we'll swap it out or give you yeah, your i money, mean you we know, want like. you to be you know we're in the business of obviously feeding you so yeah you know we want you to be able to <laughs> yeah to like do we that. don't want people to have rotten food and we don't want to be the store known for like, Oh, we, yeah. you get rotten food. And, when and a lot of there, times, you know, you, know you, you can call that vendor and say, Hey, you, you've given us a rotten thing. Like a lot of customers don't realize that it's like, it, yeah, it kind of affects the business, but at the end of the day, you're going to turn right around and write it, either write it off or call the vendor and say, dude, you've shipped me like five crates of apples that are yeah. just most of them are rotten. What's going on? Like well, I, I need a discount for it too. Right. I mean, yeah. there's an allowance there for stuff too, where we know stuff's going to happen. And, just other things popping into my mind as we're talking here too, just, you know, trying to get the buy-in from everybody too, was, uh, you know, donating back to the community and giving back where you can. Right. We didn't For sure. Really touch mm-hmm. on that. But, uh, you know, one thing we happen to do, Jessica got a message on Facebook. Hey, can we donate to the, to the local soccer uh, club in town? Right. And I said, okay, well, how much is that? And what do they plan to do with the money? Right. And it really felt like it was just diluted and wasn't really going to do anything. And I said, you know what? I played soccer at a high level when I was younger. Do they need any coaches? You know? So, uh, then we just sponsored uh, a team ourselves and we gave back our time, uh, to coach that team. Right. Just didn't know much about soccer, but she learned <laughs> as we were there. And, uh, you know, that was pretty interesting. It was an under 10 traveling team. Cause I said, give me the oldest kids you can. Cause I under want somebody 11. under 11, sorry that <laughs> I want, I want people that are, that are wanting to be there and not just chasing butterflies off to the side kind of thing. And right. this was kind of the age where that, that kind of, that, that turn happens for them from what I'm told. So yeah, we have under 11 traveling team. And so that was interesting to take that same kind of culture we had built in the store and then build it there. And I'm a very competitive person. So, you know, yes, there you was are. lots of times where Jess would say, you need to calm it down. These yeah, kids are like, 10 years old. You know? 10. I'm like, <laughs> I remember when you coached at like LZA, the little <laughs> junior high bat or the little sixth grade soccer team. Was, yeah. you know, yeah. leading, I'm not going to say that you might've given them energy drinks for the game, but, uh, you know, we wired them up and they were zipping around, but, uh, you are, you are probably the most competitive. It, it was funny. I mean, me, I know. it was interesting and to hear feedback from the parents just in that particular instance with that team too. You know, I remember, uh, it was a huddle before the game. It was like our second game or something. I had some talent with some players out there. And I remember saying to the striker, how many goals are you scoring today? And he said, I don't know. The game hasn't started. And I said, I don't think you get it, man. You need to visualize you putting that ball in that back of that net. How many goals are you getting today? I don't know. It hasn't started. <laughs> and I said, three goals. That's what I need from you today. We need to win this game. You have to score three times. That's what I expect out of you. How many goals are you scoring? Three goals. And then I turned to the defenseman. How many goals are you guys getting, letting get past you? None. That's right. You know, and just hype them up and get that visualization of stuff going. I remember going to a tournament and, and messaging all the players in this app we had before the game. I said, you guys have an hour to drive to this tournament today. I need you to visualize everything in your position that you're going to do to make this win for us today. You need to give it everything you have. And that's what you need to think about the entire hour to that tournament. Right. And the parents, <laughs> three parents came up to me. Wow. I've never had, you know, this kind of uh a level of thinking for my kids. We, we don't come from, you know, where we're, it's talked about winning or, you know, uh, trying to do your best. It's just about kind of having fun. And now this is kind of the switch that my, I'm seeing in my kid and he's really going after stuff and practicing after school and trying to better mm-hmm. himself. And, and so we appreciate that. Right. And so it's, similar in the grocery store, similar, similar kind of atmosphere where, you know, they're going on YouTube in the produce department. Okay. What's a, a good quality fruit here? Or how do you cook with this? Cause if somebody asked me, right. And trying to better themselves, right. And just take us to the next level. Right. That's so cool. I think that's so important. I mean, that's, that's people get confused and, and it's got confused in our company as well as a, a good culture versus a winning culture and how they can be as one, mm-hmm. right. You know, a, a cu- culture does not mean 
everybody gets a trophy. We love no. everybody. No one can ever get fired. We're <laughs> going to keep people. It feeds and, off each other, right? Yeah. When you're winning. Yeah, yeah, we're winners. And yeah, we got the best of this or the best of that. And you're proud right. of where you yeah. work, right? You're proud to say you do what you do, right? Yeah. For well, sure. and it's okay to expect excellence. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, what are, what's the point in doing anything unless you're going to be excellent at and, it? And then right. that doesn't mean perfect. It means you gave your best effort and try right and then reviewing with them afterwards what they did their impact on how it helped you right right and i'll pick on my son wesley right now he's 20 years old he came up to canada when he was 18 after graduating high school in california with his mom you know and now he's my grocery manager right and just let showing him uh, specifically here's all the things you do on a daily basis to control the inventory and get credits back on stuff. And here's the net impact it had on our financial situation because of that, right? Right. And then for him to see that on paper was kind of, you know, I saw his eyes go up, right? Like, wow, you know, I did that. Okay, that's great. I impacted that. Same with the the staff that just work in the meat department. We have a, a program now called Flash Foods, right? Where, you know, discounted food that, you know, is still salvageable for somebody to eat that maybe isn't 100% the best quality. We, we put it on this app and people shop on this app and pick up these, uh, not as good groceries anymore maybe an apple with a bruise on it kind of thing right or meat that's going to expire in a couple days and we put it in there so here's what your impact had by you listing that stuff on this app so customers could buy it at a discounted price instead of it going into a landfill or something right and so somebody that was less fortunate perhaps too could buy that and now eat it for their family with the cost of goods of inflation the way it is now i don't know what it's here in the u.s i know inflation's gone up a lot and it's you know probably and the produce department in Canada at about 20% inflation, right? Wow. Uh, the, the grocery store overall is maybe 8% inflation, but it's really hit in produce, right? So right. Uh, that's all I have to yeah. say about yeah, that. No, <laughs> no that's, that's huge, man, because pe- people, I think people want to make an impact, yeah. you know, whether, whether it's volunteering at a local shelter or doing something with animals, whatever. I mean, it, it, when they... I mean, I don't know thinking about it. I don't know if I've ever met anybody that's like, I don't want to help anybody make an impact in anybody's life or do anything. Mm-hmm. And so if you show them the impact they're making and you're honest with them and you're showing them, you know, sometimes it's the bottom line saying, Hey, y'all think we're making this much money, but really making this much money. And, but you are responsible for this, whether it's a positive or negative is like, Whoa, like that's mm-hmm. impacting their life to even keep doing keep doing the thing, good things that they're doing or, Hey, mm-hmm. I got to get way better. Yeah. Well, even at our, our Christmas party last year, we, um, it was the first time we kind of told them like kind of our year at a glance or whatever, like all of our, not like specific financials, but just kind of where we landed a little bit. And it was surprising at how excited they were that, you know, we were doing good and we were accomplishing some of the things that we had set out and they were super excited that we had all these gains. I mean, they were like whooping and hollering, like right. <laughs> all about it. So, I mean, for a minimum wage employee to get that buy-in to want your store to achieve and all that kind of stuff, like, right. you know, it matters. Like they like to see that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I remember going to a, a dealership, um, years ago and, uh, one that we owned and, um, it was, it was the first one that we owned and it wasn't in the greatest shape. And I remember interviewing a couple people were asking them, like, how much money do you think we're making? Like for every dollar we take in of sales, say we sell some 50 grand, how much money do you think we're keeping in our pockets? And we break it down by per dollar, right? And they're like, oh, you know, 30 cents, 40 cents, 50 cents, 10 cents, 20. I mean, I'm like, not even an entire penny. <laughs> so for every dollar we sell, we're not even keeping in our bank account an entire penny. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, let's get our freaking shit together and let's, <laughs> yeah. let's get this going. And I think that was like an aha moment for a lot of people because when we bought the dealership, it was in, it was in pretty rough shape. And they thought that the previous owners were just riding off the sunset and all this money and greatest thing in the world and all the, this and that. And the, they're like, uh-uh, like we're, we're not even keeping pennies. At, at that point, they were giving pennies away for every dollar that they made. <laughs> and it was a hobby. So um, it's a very expensive hobby that no one yeah. wants this to be a hobby. And now that we're doing over a hundred million, people are like, Oh, you're doing this. And you know, you gotta be doing it. And then I'm like, have you just realized the percentage actually goes into our pocket is, is negligible compared to what you think a hundred million dollars means, mm-hmm. which is for most companies. I mean, most companies run on a, on a razor thin margin. 
yeah, like I guess that thin margin might be a, uh, a large amount of money, but one swing or another, like, like in our industry, I mean, some areas in the U S are down 50 to 60%. No wow. one <coughs> budgets for a 50% reduction in sales, no. nobody. And so, you know, which, which I'm kind of, we're, we're still looking pretty good and I'm excited because we're going to start buying some stores, um, hopefully, but you know, we're going to be able to buy them for discounts because people are going to be way over leveraged. But it's just, it it's it's crazy what happens when you're upfront and mm-hmm. I guess really honest and yeah. just say like, look guys, like we're on the same team, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what one of our values as a company is financial success because it's your job to do your job to help your brother or sister out on your right and your left keep their job. Like, you mm-hmm. know, if you're giving away money or doing stupid stuff or not doing what you're supposed to be doing or whatever, and it's costing us money, then you're potentially hurting your people in your dealership. Do you want to do mm-hmm. that? No. Okay. So financial, financial success is a value because we value you as mm-hmm. a family. Like I, we have 179 employees or 178 employees and I'm like, okay, we got 178 employees. That means maybe at least a plus one, maybe. So there's maybe close to 400 people out there, maybe more six, mm-hmm. 700 people that rely on a Haugen RV income. Mm-hmm means a lot so like we we keep that keep that really out there because i you know it's my job as ceo to keep the lights on to make sure they're profitable to be able and i'm up front with them guys hey look this is what we're doing the general managers all know exactly what the bottom line is exactly what the number is and they watch it every time so now they're like okay next time we give away a hitch or next time we give away some of this or some of that they're like it affected their paycheck or affected the bottom line. So mm-hmm. I didn't, but before us, they never had that up front. Mm-hmm. They just, not a lot of think. companies are willing to put their numbers. And I mean, you don't even have to be like specific, but right. you know, like we usually do like a percentage of like change, right? Whatever it is. But, um, you know, it, it gives them a goal to shoot right. towards. And I don't know how you can get through any part of your life without goals. So, right. No, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, we, we give them, I give them the exact balance sheet financials. Like you, you got to study that thing. You got to know everything about it and mm-hmm. where every dollar for your dealership's going. Cause in the RV industry, you have basically five companies and under one company. So you have your mm-hmm. new department, your sales department, your finance department, parts department and service department all operate in as their own individual business. Technically mm-hmm. they all have their own financial. They'll have pay their own rents to the dealership and the dealership has to make money. It's pretty, pretty intense. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we, we make sure that they all know that. So, but we're, that, that's a new thing for, for most of them. They're like, why, why would I need to know this? Or why would I need to know that? Because we're on the same team. We're all here together. Mm-hmm. Like it, we're all going to be okay. So but one, one thing I want to ask you guys, um, this has been awesome. And I really, really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, doing this and, Maybe not driving away from Canada for me, but drove drove, <laughs> drove across town from mom and dad's house to to do this. Um, but I want to ask you individually, um, what success means to you? So you can start, or whoever can start. First, Ladies first, Jess. Oh, what geez. does success mean to you? Um, I think. Well, to repeat what most people have said <laughs> on your podcast, but I think it's freedom to be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it with the people you want to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean a financial number. It could mean time. I don't know. I, I just think that's like our end goal is to be able to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Right. Yeah. I think it's a pretty big question that you could spend a lot of time on answering. I think, uh, success for me keeps changing right because you see keep setting goals and you're like cool i got success okay set the next goal okay right. got success right so when and then you can look back and reflect on it and say i didn't think i had a lot of success but i guess i did you know we hit this this and this along the way right so it's been nice i've said to jess numbers of times you know hey that's nice that we have the ability and freedom for you to be able to take this time off working at the store right now to go do that right so i'll say that success there right for us but for me right now, where we are in life, I would say success is uh, kind of measured financially, right? When the house is paid off here, hopefully in a few years time. And, you know, we have X amount of money in the bank, uh, creates the freedom then for us to be able to, to do other things in our life and create other avenues of income. That'll be kind of the ultimate kind of level of success, your, your parents and 
you know, some other people we've had on this podcast are at a different level, right? So they might not think, uh, you know, the achievements we've made are quite as successful as them, right? And I, I might agree with that too, right? But so everybody's definition is different and I think it changes as you go through life. But uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't think, I don't think I've ever even looked at success to def- define anything monetarily because I know mm-hmm. very quote unquote successful people that have a a lot of money and I'm like, dude, I don't think you're successful at all. But I've met, you know, I was just, uh, Mikel and I, uh, fed 1200 people. Um, when it was the last, whatever on a Saturday, right before thing, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And we were talking to the guy that runs the, the network that we, um, were be able to provide the food, food for And he was like, look, I'm, I've fed over, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years and I've done this and I've fed over estimated over a million people under this. And I'm like looking at him. He's like, he's like kept joking. He's like, but I'm broke. Like I have no money. I can't do this. <laughs> he, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, we run in two weeks. I have, I have enough money to run this for two weeks. And I'm like, really? He's like, but the amazing thing is, is it's, it's always two weeks for 20 years. It's always been two weeks. It's people just keep providing, you know, he's saying God, mm-hmm. God is providing and it's amazing. And I'm looking at this dude and I'm like, you are the most successful person I have ever met in my entire <laughs> life because yeah. impact, right? Like I, I got a chance to to talk with uh, Tim Tebow and he was talking about impact, impact, impact. And I'm like, dude, it's like, that is a lot of success is impacting people. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah, you can say, oh, I'm successful because I make a certain amount of money, but but impacting, whether you're impacting, you know, my sister's life and being able to give her freedom or vice versa, like that's an impact and that, that, that's, that's huge. So I appreciate you both being on the show. It really means a lot. Um, I've been really looking forward to this. I, you know, I just barely told you a couple of days ago, but I've really, <laughs> I've been planning on this since I knew you guys were coming yeah. down here for, for Thanksgiving and it just means a lot. So if you're ever in high river, Alberta, Canada, hit up <laughs> Andrew and Jessica's no frills. It's the bright yellow grocery store that sits right off there on the, or right. Yellow. Is it bright yellow? Yeah. yeah. Bright yellow grocery <laughs> store sits right up there on the main road and cool place. I've been in there numerous times and the staff is, is incredible. They're awesome. One of a couple of them even recognized us. Yeah. Well, they think you're my hot brother. So, oh, you know. well, you know, I tried. To be, <laughs> Sorry, Mikel. You know, maybe do I need yeah. to go there by myself? <laughs> no, um, but, but we're super proud of you, Jace, for all the things that you've accomplished. Like, you know, it's been awesome to see your growth throughout the years and all of that. So I'm super proud of you. That means a lot. Really means a lot. I remember uh, we, we, me and you've always been the closest. So mm-hmm. I, I missed you <laughs> ever since you moved. But I know <laughs> now, uh, you know, Mikel and I have the means to be able to pop up there pretty much whenever we want, depending on our window of opportunity of warmth. Because <laughs> um, you probably won't see me when it's minus 40. No. Um, <laughs> you know, we could go pick you up and bring you back in minus 40, <laughs> but I'm not getting off the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, you can come on there. I'm not, you know, whatever. But, um, I just, you know, thank you for always being the, my, really my rock in the family. I mean, I talked to you about everything, anything I've ever gone through. You've been my, my best friend through it all. And same Andy, we've been super close forever and just appreciate you guys more than you know, and, um, love you guys to death. So thank you for being on the show. If you like this podcast, please share it. Hit me up on Instagram, DM me, whatever, um, at Jason Haugen. I would love to engage with you. And yeah, appreciate you guys. And we'll see you later.